just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today's episode is with Ruby Quinn, who is here to share her story of living with ME slash CFS, or myalgic encephalomyelitis chronic fatigue syndrome, as well as endometriosis and ADHD. In this episode, Ruby starts her story with her diagnosis of ME slash CFS and takes us through how she got a diagnosis in amongst lockdowns. She describes her symptoms and how she manages them, as well as explaining how she navigated going to university at the same time. We then discuss her diagnosis of endometriosis, which probably comes as no surprise to a lot of listeners, came with a bit of a negative experience of the healthcare system. And then, of course, we chat about all things ADHD and how this diagnosis fits into her life. Ruby's energy is contagious, and I really hope that you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I loved chatting to Ruby. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Thank you so much for joining me on That's So Chronic today. We are going to be talking about your diagnosis of ADHD or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, as well as endometriosis and ME slash CFS, myalgic encephalomyelitis or chronic fatigue syndrome. Now, I'm not laughing at, obviously, your diagnosis of that, but my pronunciation, it just, just came straight out of the mouth. It's a hard word. It's a hard word. <laughs> and when we connected first on the Google form, you mentioned to me that alone, these diagnoses can be tough, but together, at times, it has often felt impossible. And I'm sure that a lot of listeners that have multiple diagnoses will completely relate yeah. to that. So. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> no problem. Oh, right. So where do we even start with your story? Like what one of these came first? Um, I would say let's start at ME because okay. I think that has compounded everything else. But in terms of symptoms, that was actually my like latest yes, okay. symptoms. But I feel as though it's been the biggest one and has been the reason for endo flare-ups and ADHD flare-ups and that sort of thing so I guess start there yeah so tell us what were you experiencing to then go all right I need to go and see what's going on right so in year 11 so Mm -hmm. 16 about 15 16 I got glandular fever and I had Ah. no idea I had it I don't know how I didn't know because I was so, so, so unwell. Yeah. And, yeah, I had it really severely. So pretty much it was around 2017 I got it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was sick constantly. Every, like, two weeks it was something else and it was Uh, always acute. It was always so intense. My two main sicknesses were strep and strep throat and tonsillitis. Yeah. Honestly, like, every two weeks it would, like, switch. And I was on 
back-to-back antibiotics for like months. Oh my god. Yeah, it wasn't great. And I was a performing arts girly as well, so that was like my sport, like something I did every single day, dancing, acting, singing vibe, and just so sick. Yeah. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't really do it anymore. I got tested for glandular because there was a point where me and mum were like, this is not just like a hard winter, this is me like (laughs) properly sick. And in the glandular fever blood test, they're quite odd. They say if it has been in your body or not, but not if it's not if you are currently oh with glandular fever. It's quite an odd blood test. So even if you had glandular, it wouldn't come up in that blood test then, because it would be like if I had no, if I had glandular, it would. Oh, but yeah. I wouldn't. I had no idea if I had it currently. Now, yes, I see currently or not. So what happened next when they found out that okay, yeah, that you've got glandular fever. Yeah, so I was just like taking it easy, not that easy, didn't really think much of it. Glandular, I was the first person in my year to get it, like often in high school yeah. there's that little wave <laughs> and people get it and I was the first, no one else got it until like the year after. So I was just taking it easy, but I'd gotten over that part of being so, so yeah. sick that I was like, oh, like whatever, without even realising that... I was actually still getting quite sick, just not those super intense things. I was constantly tired. I was having a lot of time off school still. But me and mum were kind of just like, oh, it's just me getting over glass. Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and that's a pretty normal reaction. Like, I know friends who have gone and gland in the past year and are still, like, yeah. not back to their normal selves, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. That mm. is just them getting over glandular. And it wasn't until... 2020 uh, ever, <laughs> that I was like oh shit like a, this is so not normal it was my first year of university I just moved away from my family like my boyfriend at the time all my friends I was like and then I just found myself in this state and I couldn't tell whether it was because of all these changes or that I there was you know something wrong mm-hmm. and we went back for the first lockdown like we had just been sent home and I like broke down to my mum and I was like I'm just so sick like I just am exhausted all these new friends I'd made had to like come and bang on the doors to like get me out of bed like I I was hardly going to uni you know that's when you're supposed to be the most like inspired and go to class (laughs) every day and I was just not doing that like I just stayed in bed I was in constant floods of tears Mm -hmm. just had no idea what was like wrong with me yeah and like you're supposed to be like oh week and going out partying and like having the best time and drinking and having and I was just like I am not like cut out for this life and I wasn't like in Dunedin I was in Wellington it's way more chill here and I still couldn't do it yeah and so I was just like really really struggling and I told my mum this and I think in both of our hearts, we knew that it could be chronic fatigue. I have two people in my life who have it, and one of them is in a wheelchair and pretty much needs full-time care. So for me to think that I had it was terrifying, obviously, for both me and mum, because you just, it's such a unresearched disease. You just have no idea what to expect, and you can only get diagnosed by a specialist. Yeah. And so that's the same with a lot of chronic illnesses, but I guess, but yeah. And so we went to a specialist 
said all my symptoms and like straight away she was like yep ah. textbook case of ME and there's one blood test and it's not super accurate like if it's negative you can still definitely yeah, have it yeah. but if it's positive you know more, yeah and I was positive like ah. I, it was just everyone around me in that like medical realm was like yeah you've got it yeah so how did you get an appointment with a specialist so one of my friend's mums has ME and my mum spoke to her about ah, it yeah. and she put me on to the specialist she knew about mm -hmm. and it was over zoom okay so it was literally straight after lockdown i mean during lockdown and yeah she just was that said, public or did you have to pay for that appointment we paid for it yeah because yeah. i was gonna say i feel like getting one that quickly oh uh, something happened. absolutely <laughs> not yeah no a lot of my stories i've ended up either going private from the beginning yeah. like a lot of my medical stuff or like moving to private because yeah. public has been so hard to mm -hmm. which I'm very grateful and lucky to yeah. be in that position but yeah far out yeah okay so you have this appointment on zoom over lockdown yeah and she's like yeah, yeah this is what it is is there a plan moving forward I was just like how have I found out I'm immunocompromised at the start of a global pandemic yeah. like, <laughs> but it just like shook me I was like what am I gonna do and my mum is the most proactive woman I know and like straight onto it. She's like a medical mummy. She's so good at all that <laughs> stuff. And we got all sorts of appointments, you know, just regular GP. And the specialist obviously had advice for us. A yep. lot of it was around like diet. Mm -hmm. So my, my treatments in terms of diet have been pretty much completely sober for two years. Okay. Can't drink any coffee. I spent half a year eating no carbs, like not any carbs. Like all these sorts of things, like wow. um, weekly B12 injections, like just such random things just to get my energy up even a little bit. Yep. But none of them, and salt, random one as well. Like I'd uh, eat yes, salt yep. from the, which was kind of disgusting <laughs> looking back at it now, but like <laughs> I really thought that was going to work for me. But yeah, like in terms of diet, there's a lot of things you can do, but they're not necessarily, for me, they're not, they weren't yeah. like long term. Okay. What was life looking like for you during that lockdown then? Like how would you describe what a day would look like for you in terms of symptoms? Right. So I would sleep until about 12. Mm -hmm. My mum would bring me food and all my, yeah. and my pills. And honestly, I would be in bed for the whole day. We'd go on a family walk at, at the evening and that would like, yeah, kill me. Wow. Honestly, it was, it was really tough. Are yeah. you trying to keep up with uni at this stage as well? So luckily uni's got like, they gave us a month off while they were okay. trying to sort this shit out. Yeah. But, um. And they're like, quick, yeah. online, no, everyone learn how to use Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so I had like a month to prepare myself, but I don't think anything was actually going to prepare me for how much I would struggle at uni. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'll just quickly go over some of my symptoms because I feel like my, like my odd symptoms, I think. Okay. With, with ME, your symptoms vary so much from person to person. Yeah. And it like... ME kind of compounds every other aspect of your life. So there were different things that I did for 
each symptom. Oh, okay. So pretty much my symptoms were bad in first year when I got diagnosed, but got so much worse over second year and third year and really weird symptoms. So in first year, I got chronic body pain 24-7. So this was kind of in the form of joint and muscle pain, like cramps, just general like stiffness. I would just have to like curl up into a ball until it would subside to go on with things like it was such a weird thing that I'd never had before like like muscle pain is awful joint pain is horrible so yeah that was super uncomfortable and like excruciating Mm -hmm. and then sensitivity to everything smell light and sound became so heightened like I'd always always had like quite minor sensory issues but like super minor mm-hmm. because of like now that I know it was due to my ADHD but it honestly became so severe someone could be on the other side of the room like rubbing their hands together or something and I would yeah. just go oh, please stop like honestly it was like a drill in my ear yeah. it just sounds so ridiculous but it was like no yeah right I completely know exactly what you're saying oh really when I was flatting they'd be sniffing like I'd just oh, and I'd just be like I can't I cannot please you have to stop sniffing like I can't <laughs> no it actually just almost brought me to tears like me and my dad have this running joke I can't like there are certain noises he makes just general noises <laughs> like making a sound with his skin and I'm like no you have to leave like you actually have to leave it's horrific and I never, like, had had that before in yeah. light and stuff. I was like, oh, the light is killing me. Smell, like, so much more intense smells. Everything just, yeah. it was like sensory issues, like, yeah. had gone crazy. But, yeah, then this would also, like, really impact my concentration. So mm. brain fog and cognitive impairment is, like, massive with yeah. ME. And I just couldn't remember anything it was like I was like going crazy a little bit like just couldn't remember a thing would forget things all the time like important appointments my phone all you know all sorts of stuff and I could not like take in any information that I was learning like I would just sit there having leave a lecture and no idea what I just heard yeah and because I was I was like really trying to concentrate I get just the most horrific headaches. I'd just have yeah. to go to sleep. Like, I'd concentrate and then be like, nah, I'm, I need to sleep. Yeah. And along with the headaches was vomiting. Like, I threw up so much in my, like, worst period of being sick. Something slightly nauseating would throw up. Antibiotics, I would throw up, even though yeah. I was having them all the time. When I was tired, I'd throw up. Like, it was yeah. constant. A lot of the times, my nothing would be wrong. Mm-hmm. And my flatmates would just, like, hear me throwing up and be like, what, like, what is happening? Like, you know, like, this yeah. would be at the most random points when I'd have a really good day and then get quite tired and throw up. And it, it's such an odd, it's such yeah. an odd symptom, but it's quite, like, debilitating. Yeah. If you're, you know, needing to be sick all the time and it's, and it's you know, it's not nice for anyone, but having it quite constantly was just... 
you know, kind of threw me over the edge. <laughs> yeah. So uni's back in person. Yeah. So this is this is second year. Oh, yeah. this is second. so I've gone. This is after. 2020 and my symptoms were not great in 2020 but because I spent so much time at home like when everyone was allowed to go back to halls of residence I stayed at home just to be safe I had no idea what was going to happen if I did get COVID Mm -hmm. and I was just too sick to go back to be honest so yeah so but then I like I I definitely mustered up all the courage to go back I think my parents were a bit like oh is this a good idea? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but I was pretty adamant that I wanted to go flatting. Yeah. And yeah, in second year, things got like quite bad in terms of symptoms. So yeah, all those symptoms and I get infections in my legs, yeah. which was so random and have to get them cut out and wow. all this just random stuff. My body was just completely rejecting me. Yeah. So, yeah, it was awful, but I, I was flatting at this point. So there was... Uh, like, you know, I had made some progress in some areas, mm-hmm. but in terms of like symptoms, I think I, it there were things that just kept happening, and I and I got quite bad. How did you yeah. navigate that while flatting? I don't know if I did that good of a job. Like I said, I was sober, so I yeah. hardly ever went out with my friends. I'm, I'm very extroverted, yeah. very social person, so that was like a massive like, oh. Yeah. Like, you know, horrible part of this whole thing. But I have, like, my family is just beyond yeah. incredible. So are my flatmates and my friends. So I feel like a lot of it was just supportive people around me. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, like, how I looked after myself, it was it was quite rough. Like, I don't... I look back now and I'm a bit, like... there are things that I probably should have done to just you know like I spent obviously a lot of time in bed you can't get up like I'm not blaming myself for that but I think you know sometimes it might have been helpful to go for a walk yeah you know just things like that Mm -hmm. but yeah it was such an up and down time yeah because I'm thinking like especially when I was second year uni and flatting yeah it was definitely like cleaning roster and like on this day you would have to do this so like how were you able to do that if you like woke up on Tuesday and it was your day to do the vacuuming and you're like well no (laughs) so yeah we had like a cooking roster my flat is incredible the amount of times I'd be like nah I'm swapping days with someone that totally cater around it they do a lot of my cleaning for me and they just always knew but I you know I often found ways to, for at least one day of the week, like, muster up, yeah. do my bit of cleaning, do my bit of cooking, sort out my life a bit yeah. until I got, like, not that well again. So, yeah, I, I managed it okay. Yeah. And did you find that you would rebound? So if you were like, right, today's the day I'm going to get my life together, would that then be at the cost of being able to do stuff tomorrow? Yeah. So I'd say I'd get a bit of energy one day yeah. and I'd do everything I couldn't do. Shower, clean my bedroom, sort out uni. Yeah. And then the next day I'd be back in bed. Yeah. And couldn't go to uni, the class that I'd be planning for. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just like but I've had a shower, so yeah. I felt quite accomplished. You know, little <laughs> things like that. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah, second year was yeah, quite rough I'd say, in terms of like actually getting on with my life I felt like I was in quite a like just surviving kind of thing yeah Yeah. 
And so then you mentioned that the symptoms continue into third year. What is third year like? Does it get worse or do you find some relief? So third year was last year for me. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely found some relief. I think I have, you know, spent so many years m- managing this Yeah. now. So many days that I have just, I joined disability services at uni, which is a massive step for me. Yep. And something that I was pretty adamant I didn't want to do. Like I didn't see, you know, looking back now, I'm like, how did I not see that? Yeah. You know, that that was a disability. But at the time I was like, no, this is ridiculous. You know, I don't need that. Yeah. So I joined and they were amazing and just helped me through everything uni-wise. And I, over last year and this year, have gotten, I've gotten quite a lot better at managing myself. Yeah. And I just think my friends are just wonderful. My fa- Like, honestly, I just can't. Yeah. Imagine being in a position where I had to deal with all that on top of like no support system. Yeah. And so what kind of support ha- ha- like has uni been able to give you? So they have given me through disability services. They like send all of my lecturers this like booklet wow. of all of my health issues and what I'm doing to like... Yeah help them Mm -hmm. so for example with endo I often wear a TENS machine so they'll put that on like little little things that they'll put on and during second and third year I couldn't really get up in the mornings Mm -hmm. so they would say if she has compulsory tutorials they need to be on zoom and they need to be in the afternoon otherwise she's not going to pass so they were amazing that's so good oh my gosh yeah and my lecturers most of them have been so like yeah absolutely extensions they know that I do not want to have yeah to have extensions you know so they know I'm not asking for fun yeah so I think they like most of them have been amazing I've had a few like issues but like that's gonna happen anywhere so yeah and then what were you doing personally to try and help these symptoms like you mentioned diet before is that something yeah. that you continued into like second and third year yeah so like Certain things I continued, but also I was having a lot of prescription pills. So a lot of like nighttime pills, I call them, but they're actually just, you know, like sleeping, helping me sleep, antidepressants just to kind of give me like some energy and then lots of like vitamins, B12 Mm -hmm. injections, those sorts of things. So yeah, I'd say a lot of my focus like went on to taking things for it because like Diet is important, of course, mm-hmm. but it, it's not like a cure in my case. Yeah. Wasn't like a cure for me. Yeah. And so if someone's listening to this and they might have heard of ME-CFS before, yeah. but they're like, hang on a second, like I really <laughs> don't understand what this is. As yeah. someone who has been living with this condition for a few mm. years now, how would you describe what it is in your words? I would say... Obviously, it's in the name, chronic fatigue. You are just not yourself. If you think of who you were before you got sick or something happened, you are just a completely different person. You don't have any energy. You don't have, like, a fun, bubbly personality, if you had that in the first place. (laughs) You lose it a bit. You are quite confused And your body is just in this state of, like, aching and infections. 
and that sort of thing. Personally, that is how I feel like. Yeah. What's happened to me. And it's not like, yeah. I think there's a misconception that it's kind of something that no one can like see or that oh, it's not yeah. something. Whereas like it is to do with how much energy your cells can produce. Like it's yeah. not like you, it's not just in your head. You're not, it's yeah. not something that you can just wish your yeah. way out of, is it? Absolutely. I think at the beginning it was like, I had a few people in my life who were quite like dismissive of it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm aware that there has been no awareness. Like I'm not yeah. blaming anyone for like not knowing what this is, but it's kind of how you act afterwards. It's not just me being lazy yeah. and tired and, oh, like I had a bad sleep, I'm tired. It's not like that. It's yeah. every day you wake up and you have n- never had a refreshed sleep. Like yeah. you never actually feel like you've gotten enough sleep or enough anything mm. to continue on with the day. And it's totally physical. You can absolutely, yeah. you know, it's not all in my head like I'm, you know, it's debilitating for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mobility aids, things like that are all people, are lots of things that people use when they have ME. Like it is a very, very physical condition. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Not a, not a... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) You said that you knew some people that were also living Mm. with Emmy. I'm curious if you have connected with any other people, perhaps other people of like a similar age to you that you've been able to get support from as well. So that's kind of the main reason why I had a bit of a wave of confidence. (laughs) I think having this when you're like a teenager is quite scary because you're a teenager and because you don't know anyone else who is a teenager and who has it yeah like I didn't know any young people who had had it and like mutual friends of friends had had it but it was like I was in a place where I was like absolutely not talking to anyone about it pushing everyone away didn't actually want to connect with anyone about it but I also didn't know personally any young person okay who had it Before we carry on with the episode, I wanted to quickly jump in here and say thank you for listening to this episode of That's So Chronic. If you haven't already, I would be so grateful if you took a moment to give That's So Chronic a rating or a review on whatever platform you're listening on now. I love reading through all of the reviews and seeing what people are loving. I particularly enjoyed one recently on Apple Podcasts that said, stop everything and listen to this podcast now, with multiple exclusive marks. Not only does it make my day seeing reviews like this, but it also helps other people find the podcast, which is always a good thing. So if you don't mind, a rating or a review would be incredible. All right, back to the interview. So how are things for you now in terms of Emmy moving into like, I assume year four? Yes. (laughs) So actually, because I have technically had it since 2018, mm. it's like a little bit longer. So I've surpassed the like recovery period that they expect from a okay. young person, which was pretty scary when I surpassed those years because I was like, I'm going to have it forever. I'm going to be sick yeah. forever kind of thing. But at the moment, I'm in like the most incredible place. Okay. I am still like 
I'm not bit like not 100% yeah. better. I need to look after myself a lot. But I'm doing primary teaching, so I'm in my yeah, so I'm doing my placement right now and I finish at the end of the year. That's so um, cool. To be a primary school teacher. Yeah, something that for a while there I was like I'm never going to get there. Like yeah. it's such an exhausting job for anyone and I was like there's just no way I'm going to make it through one day let alone the yeah. whole year of days but yeah just loved it I'm so happy like yeah I think a lot of people have noticed a change in me and just my general mood mm-hmm. and they can see that I am I really have been trying my hardest to look after myself so yeah. I can get through this year yeah and I do like I feel if I'm looking at me in second year I feel like a different person yeah. amazing but yeah I think overall I'm just feel so much happier that yeah. it's like even if I was in this way forever at this point forever I would be okay yeah. whereas I didn't yeah. feel like that for ages yeah. but if I had this forever if I never get rid of it like I can do it yeah. and I'm not so petrified about it so that's like a really nice place for yeah. me to be in I feel oh that's incredible and <laughs> super tangent side note we were talking about like being on weird trends of TikTok before, yeah. yes. but I'm also on primary school teacher TikTok. Like, oh, how yay. am I on it? But like all their outfits of the day, the ways that they're setting up their classroom, like I love I it. I literally want to be a TikTok teacher. <laughs> I would just love it. It would be so wonderful. Uh, it's so good that you're feeling better now. And I'm wondering, I'm and and this is leads on to my next question. Mm. I'm wondering if you ever get nervous to say like, oh, I'm feeling better now because better isn't like, oh, there's nothing that I ever have to think about in terms of my health yeah. ever. Like, do you ever yeah. feel nervous about saying that in case someone doesn't really understand? Absolutely. I think it was weird. I was reading this thing. It was like an article of someone who was also sick and they said that, they at a point in their life they were so nervous to reach out for any sort of treatment or anything because they couldn't imagine their lives healthy and that was like exhausting to them and I think that's still an element that I feel is like thinking about if I'm better all the things I'm gonna have to do in my day and I'm not gonna get like a rest yeah and that sort of thing, which is crazy to me. It's like, why wouldn't anyone want to snap their fingers and yeah. be better? But it's quite daunting. And when you say, oh, yeah, like I'm getting better, I think people assume you're 100% again, but it takes so much longer than that. Always going to have some reminiscence yeah. of ME. And even if you are miles better, it's still, you know, it's yeah. massive still. In your life and it will always be a part of your life so yeah I think I was nervous for quite a while because I didn't want people to suddenly think I was able to do all these things yeah. and have these high expectations of me and then maybe like oh shit like I can't actually do yeah like that's that. not sustainable no yeah literally so yeah I think that was a struggle for a while but I feel a lot better saying that I am doing a lot better yeah. now and I think that my closest people know that that doesn't mean I'm going to be able to go out yeah. every weekend and all that sort of thing. They know that I still have to take it easy, but can see such a change in me mentally that, you know, 
it's okay to you know say yeah. that so yeah <laughs> do they know why emmy happens for people so they know that i got it from glange okay and they know that a lot of it was because i didn't know i had glandular and kept going with my life so they a few of them have got gland have had glandular and i you know have taken it easy because they know what could happen yeah so i think they know that part but in terms of like a lot of things about ma i think everyone's a bit like what what is it like yeah it's such a hard you know it's such a weird weird disease yeah it is, and I feel like it needs like some sudden burst of like funding or something so that everybody um, can just like start absolutely. researching. Absolutely, yeah, literally. I think long COVID, like there's elements that are similar, so I think that will increase research a bit. But like, there are so many things that just no one yeah. until you've got it, you just yeah. have no idea that's even going to happen to you. You know, like yeah, yeah. How have you found you know? like a relationship with your GP and specialists like have you been able to find people that are like yes I'm on the same team as you I respect this condition because I have heard horror stories of people <laughs> being like oh my specialist doesn't like believe me or whatever so with ME absolutely the luckiest feel like the luckiest person ever my GP is amazing honestly she must be so sick of me I am there <laughs> constantly always calling her up like no something's happened don't need yeah. your help like honestly it's ridiculous but yeah. she just yep yeah, yep yeah, like totally takes it in doesn't you know knows that I am when I'm yeah. feeling shit and when I'm not and yeah I'd say medically I have been I have lucked out yeah. in ME with ME that I've been believed and I've been helped and I've been understood this makes me feel like there's a but coming in terms of another condition <laughs> yes but end of yeah. was another story <laughs> yeah so talk us through that right so end of yeah <laughs> was like my second set of symptoms of diseases yeah <laughs> sounds really dramatic <laughs> but yeah so I got my first period when I was 15 at Rainbow's End wearing <gasps> white pants. It was so awesome. I only noticed when I like got on the stratosphere and you have to like sit really weirdly. And I oh was my like, god. oh my god, I've got my period. It was honest. I was just in a state. It was awful. Wow. But I was low-key really excited. Yeah, I was, was going to say, were you like person. kind of yeah. excited to have it though? <laughs> No, literally, I could finally, like, oh, I've got my period, yeah. guys. Like, I was actually excited. My mum was low-key excited. I was the last in my group and one of the tallest, so I really thought yeah. I was, you know, I was so tall that I thought I was going to be the first and then every single person got it before me and I was like, um. It's so weird to, like, look back at that time and be like, oh, my God, you had no idea. Like, oh, you do not want literally, this. Literally. The things I would have done to go on a few more years without yeah. it. Like, it's actually ridiculous how much I wanted yeah. it. But I was, it was for, like, I'd say probably about six months beforehand, I had really odd, insane stomach cramps yeah. and nausea. And it was quite unexplained, but I thought it would be my period. Me and mum were like, yeah, this is. I say me and mum all the time because honestly, she just, she's the best. I had to. But yeah, I just had to be, Mom, this is what's happening. She'd have to calm me down. And she was right. It was my period. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Every period that I had, I would have to stay at home. Yeah. Or go spend the day in the nurse's office. It was this excruciating pain in my lower stomach and lower back. Mm -hmm. Feeling sick constantly and dizzy. Yeah. Were really big things. And like I said, I was a performing arts girly. I think I even thought, I was like, I'm being so dramatic. Like, everyone has a period. This is ridiculous. Yeah. That I'm even, you know... Like, I just had the lowest pain tolerance in the world. And I think everyone around me didn't say that to me at all, but were kind of like, Ruby, come on now. You're just having cramps. And that was fair enough because I was so dramatic that I was dramatic about everything else. Like, why would I not be dramatic about this? And it wasn't until a woman who had had endometriosis came in to talk to our year group. Oh, wow. And, yeah, it was like a movie. All my friends turning around to look at me like, this is what you complain about every single cycle. Like, do you have this? And I was like, oh my God, guys, I've got endo. Like, literally felt like I'd found the jackpot. Like, you know, I was just so stoked that there was something and had it in my head. And then when you're like, oh wow, but it is not as simple to get diagnosed. No, literally. (laughs) Well, because I had like, all of the symptoms, but I was 15 and I had never had sex before. So I was like, oh, like, you know, like maybe I don't, but like yeah. maybe I do. So yeah. I had sex for the first time when I was 16. So it was like probably a year after this talk. And I hadn't done anything about it because yeah. I was still just like, mm, I don't know if I've got yeah. it. And um, it was with someone I loved someone I was so comfortable with, like, the ideal scenario. So you'd Mm -hmm. think it would be, like, perfect and no issues. Yeah. But it was, like, the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. And I was kind of warned by a friend who had already had sex, like, it's excruciating. Oh, no. Worst pain ever. So, so. You were like, this is normal. (laughs) No, yeah. I was like oh, it'll go away. Like, yeah. I was genuinely convinced that, like, this is just what it felt like for everyone, even though it was, I can't even explain that kind yeah. of pain. Yeah. But I was like, nah, this happens to everyone. And then, like, a few months passed, and I was, like, in the same amount of pain. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this cannot no. be normal. And it was causing me such, like, emotional trauma that I was like, this is so this is so weird, like, that I'm having this issue. And then it kind of all clicked, like, Mm -hmm. uh, I think I might have endo. And so I would bawl my eyes out to my mum, had to tell her everything, like, had to tell her, it's so hard as a 16-year-old, having to tell your mum you're sexually active, let alone having to be like, "Uh," and it's, you know, and I, like, it's awful, it's so painful, (laughs) and I don't know what to do. So, but again, she was wonderful, and we started going to ultrasounds, and this was in the public system. So we started in the public system, and went to, like, the ultrasounds, like, you know, when you're pregnant. Yep. The, on your, gel on your tummy, and that kind of thing, and I was there, this was my first ultrasound Mm -hmm. in, like, probably, like, I'd say five years, and they were like are you sexually active and can we do an internal ultrasound? And I just sat there and wouldn't let my mum leave the room, 
like honestly sobbing in pain while they did this internal ultrasound yeah. it was just so like something I didn't expect was coming so yeah. when it was coming I was just a state and yeah. they had to do the internal ultrasound because I had a few issues with my bowel and it was kind of obstructing the view and with the internal they like didn't see anything which is the case for so many people yeah. they just don't see anything and I was just a state mm. but I still I went to the, my gyno in the public mm-hmm. health and this is kind of where my bad <laughs> memories start with the health system a little bit. Yeah. So I went in to see her. Already we were very different personalities. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just very kind of, she was quite matter of fact and I was there like, oh no, but you know, yeah. this is happening and no, I'm really upset about it. And she was kind of, okay, you know, like, yeah. chill out, girl. But pretty much I said, pretty much straight off the bat, I was like, I just feel like I've got endo. And yeah. I don't know what it is, but all of these symptoms line up and I just can't explain it. I feel like I've got endo. And it was pretty dismissed straight away. And I had a vaginal exam, which is awful again yeah like an internal ultrasound they suck sorry i don't mean to scare anyone they don't <laughs> suck that bad yeah. just i wasn't expecting it so i was quite scared but and pretty much by the end of the gyno session we had this kind of course of action so even though okay. i felt like it was still dismissed i was like yeah we've got a mm-hmm. we've got this course of action and she is on my side like that's what i thought yeah and so pretty much it, the course of action was a physio pelvic floor physio group and I know <laughs> like what in the world so I was like okay like I'll give it a go yeah. still a very extroverted person so I was like yeah might make some new friends might be awesome <laughs> I got there I was literally the youngest by about 30 years like the 16 year old girl wow. in this group of women who were lovely and amazing yeah. but were there for we were there for completely different reasons yeah like a lot of after birth kind of thing a lot of you know sort of just general pelvic issues and I was there like what the hell am I doing here but I stuck it out I was like nah determined to get better stuck it out and had individual physio and stuff and I got given a set of dilators Mm -hmm. like vaginal dilators and I genuinely thought this was, I didn't know any better. Like, yeah. I thought this was all endo-related. Yeah. Until I watched Sex Education and there was, I know, there was a scene where Lily brings out a set of dilators that were literally matching with mine and said, I use these for vaginismus. And I just sat there, like, this whole time they have been giving me treatments for vaginismus yeah and like it has nothing to do with my endo and they and I genuinely just I was just like shocked I was like I cannot believe I thought this was all endo related so what did you do I went to my mum yeah like we need a second opinion I'm so upset like I was genuinely just like couldn't believe it and proactive mummy again <laughs> we go private and with the most amazing gyno ever who is still my gyno yeah yeah so I was just so in shock looking back now that was they're all helpful 
yeah and in the big scheme of things but it's not helpful if i still have underlying pain like you cannot treat something when something else is still going on yeah so i went to this wonderful guy now who i've got now and pretty much just there's lots of crying in my stories but burst into tears (laughs) and was like i i have i feel like i've got endo i feel like no one's listening yeah and she was like yeah absolutely sounds like you've got endo and was like what do you want to do and like gave me a choice for the first time wow and it was just like so amazing like i knew then and there that like she was going to be my forever guide yeah because <laughs> it just i just felt so like understood and it was yeah. great and she was the one <laughs> yeah she was literally the one i love her sight was amazing she she said would you like the surgery? And I was kind of umming and ahhing about it, but we decided a better route would be to start with contraception, yeah. like the contraceptive pill. And I went on about six different pills until I found my pill. Okay. And it was that was a really obviously hard time. Contraception is hard. Yeah. And it, you know, like it's it's awful for your mental health. But we got there in the end. And two years later I'd say since I first went to her and I had regular appointments yeah and we tried lots of different things I got to a point where I was like I'm having surgery like that's it I can't do it anymore I can't it wasn't even like my contraception pill wasn't working anymore in terms of pain Mm -hmm. because it was it's been amazing but like I just couldn't keep telling people I had suspected endometriosis And not know, like I, in my heart, I knew. Like, let's just get this done. Let's just get it done. And so we booked a surgery date. My first and only surgery ever. Yeah. Which I was like, oh shit. Like, what if they don't find, I think a lot of people with endo know the feeling of, what if they don't find anything? It'll be so mortifying. You've, like, literally gone above and beyond to make them listen to you. And they're not going to find anything. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, it's going to be so mortifying, going to be all for nothing. And I'll just jump in and say that for people listening, this surgery, that is the only way of being able to officially diagnose endo. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy that it's through a surgery. Like, it's just like, come on. But yeah, so the surgery and came in, it was at a private hospital. Honestly, like, so, feel so grateful I could be in that position. Because I know this would have never happened if I stayed in public. Mm-hmm. And my mum was there with me pretty much the whole time. Yeah. So, yeah, I had it and I woke up and my gyno was there and she was like, I was like, did you find it? And she was like, yeah. And I apparently, I don't remember any of this. You're lying. I, like, I can't believe oh. Like, you're lying. I just don't believe you bawling my eyes out. And she's like, Ruby, calm yeah. down. Like, you found it. And I just would not stop. Like, the most drama queen ever. Crying, crying, crying. And then the next day when I was properly awake, she came back and she showed me. And they can't actually, like, they find little bits of endo, but they can't tell if it's endo until it's screened. Okay. But, like, she'd found something. Yeah. So to me, I was like... No matter what, there's something in yeah. there. And I was still just, like, crying out of relief. Mm. Like, thank God that this is finally years of not knowing and now I know. Yeah. And she came and sat me down and told me the results of the surgery. 
So they did find endo and it was really in line with um, my painful sex symptoms. Okay. It was like on my cervix. There's a special name yep. for it, but I'm not very good with medical yeah. terminology. <laughs> and they found none on my fallopian tubes, which was okay. like the biggest relief on planet Earth. Yeah. Like the, my biggest thing was fertility mm-hmm. throughout this whole thing. And it's not a definite yep. at all, but it's like, it's so great to know that it's not yep. all over my fallopian tubes. And they found that my there was something wrong with my bowel and my bowel was completely inflamed, mm-hmm. which we knew already, but it, it's also any inflammation in your stomach is going to cause cramps. Yep. So it's a way, you know, clearer picture for me now that a lot of the times when I was having my period cramps, it was also super impacted by my okay. bowel. Yeah. And the last thing she found was this wall on my cervix just underneath. And it means it stops. So I couldn't get an IUD ah, or certain things. Yeah. It can be, it can influence miscarrying. And it, you know, it can be shit, but it can also be taken yeah. out at some point in my life. Yeah. So, you know, overall, it was like a fantastic result. And the test results came back and it was endo. And I was just like, I'm got it yeah. like thank god you know it's so weird to want something so bad so what is the management plan moving forward so a sexual health therapist to kind of walk me through how to kind of anything sexual related anything yep. pelvic floor related i think a lot of people think that trauma sexual trauma only comes from sexual assault and yeah. obviously that makes up the largest part of it but mm-hmm. actually a lot of sexual trauma comes from chronic pain and yeah. you can have such trauma responses to having sex anything sexual it's crazy how much your body can really reject that entire the idea of anything around yeah. that and it can be horrible especially for such yeah. a young person you're kind of just like why is this happening now? Yeah, of course. But yeah, so just talking through like strategies and ways and then pelvic floor physio. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like working up towards using dilators again, that kind of thing. Because they are helpful, but they were just not helpful mm-hmm. in that case. They were not used yes, correctly. Yeah. And I also didn't use them because I was like petrified of them. So like I you yeah. know, didn't make the most out of that situation. And then just general acceptance, I suppose, which has to come from me. And in terms of cramps, I wear a TENS machine. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I said that. Yeah, wear a TENS machine. Not every day, but days that I'm really struggling. I can just pop it on. It's great. And then, yeah, I don't get my period. So I haven't gotten my period for about two years. I just am on constant... Uh, birth control and that will be the way that it's going to be until I have babies until I want babies so yeah definitely has has worked for me and so how do you feel mentally about all of this I think it's hard when a lot of misinformation about uh, contraception is said everywhere yeah. I think when you know you have to be on the pill for the rest of your uh, yeah. menstrual life, you 
want to curl up into a ball and like cry because yeah. it's not like no one if if you didn't have to be on this no one would be on it yeah so I think when a lot of people go oh the pill's really bad for you and like yeah. you should not be on it for over five years it's like oh really God. hard to hear yeah. anything about fertility is so hard to hear because you're like I have no idea what's gonna happen yeah. that I just don't want to know so I think that's been the hardest part and of course being young and having a really tough relationship with sex mm-hmm. and I had a partner all throughout my endo diagnosis so it was really hard to just like yeah. grasp it while you are well you know the norm would be having yeah. regular sex and you're like I am literally you feel like you're broken you know all those sorts of things so you know I've had to really just come to terms it's not the end of the world and I've got it now and like that was the biggest thing for me knowing that if someone asks I don't have to say I've got yeah (laughs) like I've got it and that was you know and And I was right Yeah. yeah like I was right and my first gynos were wrong. So exactly. Right. <laughs> Talking about the contraceptive pill again, I don't yeah. know what one you're on, but I'm the same. I continuously take it and don't get a period yeah. and that works for me. And like yeah. short, like it doesn't work for other people, but yeah. it has changed my life. And for me over COVID, they ran out of mine in New Zealand. <gasps> and that was like fascinating when you're like, oh, wow, like something that I depend on. So dramatically could just all get Mm. taken away from me and I'm wondering if like you had an experience like that or if this is the first thing of that (laughs) that's so interesting because I was on like quite a weird I didn't know anyone else on the pill it was Norman or something it was really odd and they like switched companies or whatever and so when I went to go get my um script they were like okay I can literally only give you like a few weeks worth and I was like I need all of it what do you mean like in the state because of it yeah but honestly I think like if we hadn't been able to get that sorted and I had to get my period again like I don't think people realize how debilitate how insane it would actually be to have to have my period yeah I know that this is your story. Like, we're, we're not here to talk about me. But during this time, I was working in Wellington, and I yeah. bled for, like, 40 days. No, literally. And I was like, sorry, what? And you mean you can't, like, help me? Because like, I just don't respond to any of the other yeah. ones. I just need this very particular yeah. one. Yeah. And it was just like, this is catastrophic. <laughs> and nobody was, like, understanding. No, nobody oh sees how, like, just having... You know, oh, just have your period. It's not like that. It's like a no. nightmare. Like, <laughs> do not make me have a period. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And so how does endometriosis fit into ME? Everything, like I said, is compounded by ME. So yeah. when I was getting cramps, they have always been awful. But mm-hmm. because I was also having chronic pain with ME, it was just like, so exaggerated and insane and so my periods I would be you know out for a few days in terms of like living you know I would just have to stay in bed and because I was tired paired with that it was like the worst pairing ever yeah so yeah it definitely just made everything that little bit harder as well as my pills 
everything had to fit in together for me to be able to take it. Yeah. And when you have to take pills for endo, it might not, you know, work very well with a certain, you know, it was yeah. just all those sorts of things. And the pill, some of the symptoms, as you know, I'm sure, can be very hard on mental health and stuff. And when you're going through it, because you've got ME, yeah. it's just a bit like, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. How did you find the strength to, like, keep pushing forward? I feel like I just... I don't know. I actually... Yeah. <laughs> I think I just, like, I didn't have a choice. Like, yeah. I was very... It was... <laughs> Sorry, once again. Um, It was the saddest time of my entire life. Yeah. And when I look back, I'm like... I can't even recognize who I was. I went from this like bubbly, positive, extremely extroverted person to someone who was crying all day, every day. Someone who was really mad, pushing their loved ones away, just genuinely so worried about what was going to happen to me. Like I became super lonely and selfish and just like all the bad things I felt like I became. And that's like a part of it. But of course, when you look back and you see yourself now and you're so much happier, you look back and you're like, oh God, like it's yeah. mortifying. And like, I can't believe I was like that. But in the time, that's genuinely yeah. how, like you just cannot believe that this is happening to you. You yeah. cannot believe that your life is like, you know, you think it's over, especially with ME. Like you just, you just have no idea what's going to happen, and then the fertility things with endo, you're like, oh my god, like I genuinely, I'm just, you know, what is the point? Like, what is my purpose here? Yeah. You just feel so lost, so I think I just had to push through, but it definitely, like, I didn't just push through, like, I was a nightmare to everyone around me, everyone was like, this is not Ruby, you know? Yeah. And everyone around me kind of was just, you know, really got the wrath of how sick I was, but I would just, you know, I was a nightmare, like an absolute nightmare. And what a testament to the friendships that you do oh, have, absolutely. that they're still here, you know? Yeah. I think the people in my life now, I'm like, we're in it for life. Like, yeah. honestly, <laughs> there's nothing I could do that I haven't done that was like crazy yeah. that would push you away now because you've dealt with all the shit and you're still yeah. here. So, yeah, no, my friends in Fano for life now. It's great. Yes. <laughs> I'm conscious of the time and yes. that I told you that we'd only talk for an hour, but I'm super curious. <laughs> would Would you like to chat about ADHD as well? Yeah, quickly. I All right, would. let's do it. Tell us everything. Right. <laughs> so I've always had, like, low, like, slight traits of ADHD, chatterbox. Biggest yeah. chatterbox in the entire world. Can talk for hours and hours and never stop. I was quite a distracting person. Now that I'm a teacher, I look at I look yeah. back and I'm like, oh my god, I must have been a nightmare. But um, yeah, really struggled focusing, and I've just been like that forever. Yeah. But in primary, I was not hyperactive or anything, so it was you know I could totally it was totally manageable for myself mm-hmm. and my parents, and I was also sweet I've been told like nice so it wasn't you know I wasn't coming across aggressive or anything like that so it was just fine 
I got to high school and same thing, couldn't focus and had a few issues with some teachers, got a little bit mouthy sometimes, a <laughs> little bit like talking back and quite distracting again. Couldn't focus on my own work. Often was distracting in classes that I found hard. Yeah. And you know, you go, you pretend you try to put the attention on something else so no one knows yeah. you can't actually do it. But yeah, and then when I got ME, so 2018, when I didn't know I had it, but I did yeah. have it, I was, my emotions were beyond, like, okay. so up and down. Like I mentioned, different person, and ADHD was a massive mm-hmm. part of that. So my highs were really high, my lows were ridiculous, and lots and lots of crying. Okay. Like I said, lots of tears. And in terms of schoolwork, could not do it. I had, feel like I did have a lot of potential, like I knew the stuff, but could not actually do the work. Because this would kind of be like year 12 time. So like second year of exams and, you know, having to make all these decisions about what you're going to do next year. Exactly. UE. So obviously I excelled in like drama, media, those sorts of subjects, art subjects. And then in the others, I didn't fall behind. I went to a really academically strict school. So yeah. me thinking I was falling behind, now yeah, leaving actually... high school, I was like, I yeah. did totally fine. Yeah. I don't know why I was stressed. <laughs> but yeah, and then went to uni and I was doing something that I loved. Like education is something I have always loved learning about. And yeah. I still could not find it in me to yeah. do the work. I honestly, like... It wasn't even do an assignment the night before. Like, it was like, yeah. get an extension, still be late. Like, I just could not do it. And my grades were, like, average, but I could have done so much yeah. better because I was, like, super passionate about it. Yeah. I sat down with mum, and, of course, my parents were like, there cannot be another thing. Like, yeah. there just, there's just no <laughs> way that, you know, you or we can deal with another thing. Totally fair enough. It just sounds so ridiculous when I, like, talk to people about it. But I was like, no, I, gen- I like, I think I've got it. And we kind of knew for a few years that I might have it, but it was so just the last thing on our minds. Yeah, because then this is when, like, everything else oh, was yeah, off. exactly. So it was just like, nah, I, I didn't yeah. even need to be a part of my life. And then I was just couldn't do any work anymore like genuinely got to the point where I couldn't do any work and we booked in privately mm-hmm. but the waiting list was nine months long so I waited nine months yeah. to get to my appointment and very built up nine months yeah were you doing what... any of the like online tests or like oh, doing yeah. the tiktok all things? of them all of them and 100% had ADHD from all of them and yeah. I was like yeah I've got it but then the sinking feelings started to sink in like with the endo like what if I don't have it and yeah. I'm what just if I'm like gen- tricking everybody yeah literally what if I've just said my- what if I'm lazy what if I'm you know like all these things went to the appointment and the appointment is like an assessment and it's actually kind of fun. Like, I kind of really enjoyed myself. And the room yeah. was full of, like, miniature frogs, which was really <laughs> random. But it really got me through the appointment. Um, so oh, my I God, was like, frogs. I, I know. It was, I had to stop midway and be like, do you really like frogs or something? Like, why yeah. is there so many? He's like, Can She's like, yes, it's ADHD. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much straight away, it was like, yeah, 
you've got ADHD. And because I didn't exhibit a lot of hyperactivity, it was like ADD, but that's not really what they use anymore. Yeah. But my main thing was attention deficit. Like I just yeah. struggled holding attention. We talked about how I have, you know, had it pretty much forever, but because of ME, it has gotten so bad. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like... interesting. Yeah, really interesting. And it's really common for women to have ADHD and ME, which is the most random and confusing combination. Like, hyper and, yeah. you know, and then you're tired. Like, it just doesn't... It's like yeah. the worst combo ever. But it's really common. And so all of my symptoms were, like, just, you know, off the yeah. charts by this point. And, yeah, I started on... Ritalin and yeah so I've had to Ritalin's quite quite a hard thing to be on like it's quite I've got quite a fast heart rate so you've got to be careful with your heart rate in Ritalin you've got to be careful with like everything in Ritalin because it's like quite a controlled drug but I feel like it has made the biggest difference in the world wow yeah, and again, bawling my eyes out when I found out, like genuinely sobbing in the car park of this <laughs> practice, being like, I told everyone I had it. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And I was just every time, I just crying. I'm surprised I have any tears left, to be honest. <laughs> I love that though. You need to get like, I don't know, Kleenex to like sponsor you or something. <laughs> Literally, I swear to God, I'm the biggest cry in the world. I deserve an award for that. So how does life look for you now in 2023, going through three quite major (laughs) diagnosis processes? So wonderful. Like, honestly, I feel like being on Ritalin has changed my life. Yep. Like, I wish it was more accessible because I know so many people who know they've got it and cannot, you know, be, live up to their full potential And I think being 20 and having this diagnosis, I was like, oh, it's so late. Like, the things I could have done in my life if I had had Ritalin, you know, it's crazy. But then I went home and I was reading about all these people who are 65 and diagnosed. And I'm like, I'm so lucky that I got in, like, before my career started, pretty much. So I'm just, Ritalin's amazing. I am genuinely the happiest I've ever been I think that's what kind of gave me the confidence to talk to you I think I was so like I can't imagine me a year ago ever wow like agreeing to you know do anything remotely close to this because I was like embarrassed and I was just like I don't want to talk about it I'll just cry (laughs) yeah so yeah I just feel so good and supported and I graduated last week so I'm still at uni (laughs) I'm still at uni but I got a degree and I got it on time and I'm just like you know I feel like I'm at a point where I can feel proud of still completing those things while actually looking back and realizing how sick I was yeah so I just am I'm wonderful and I'm teaching it's just yeah like um yeah, I'm still obviously have my up and yeah. down days, but yeah. I'd say when I look back, I'm just like, I'm in such a good place. So, yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> Do you think the Ruby who was going through all of this and had no idea, like, if life was ever going to get better, if you went back in time and, like, showed her everything that you are doing now, like, do you think that she would have believed you? Like, not at all. Sorry, I'm going to get emotional. Oh, no. But I just, uh, um, 
yeah no not at all I just like you've think, come like, so far and I'm so yeah. happy for you and it's <laughs> like it's been such a huge journey and yeah you know you've worked so hard to get yeah. to the place that you're at now as well yeah and I know it's yeah, always no. when people are nice to you that's when you start crying oh <laughs> uh, literally like oh don't even <laughs> but yeah I think that if I had even said anything remotely like positive yeah. to that version of Ruby that there was just there would be no like acceptance or even like believing there the believing that that could even happen I just never thought I was going to get better with any of those things I just thought they would just be the same painful you know awful time that it was and I yeah. just genuinely like no matter how hard I tried just in my heart did not think I would get better yeah so just I think that's made this bit so much sweeter as well yeah. is because I look back and I'm like I was in such a state that now I just am like, how did I get this far? So good, you know? Like, yeah. If someone's yeah. listening and they're deep in the trenches right now, like they're also such a state. <laughs> yeah, true. What would you say to them? <laughs> that it will get better. Like there's just no way that you won't be able to manage it better or that even if you don't, even if your symptoms never alleviate that you will be yeah. okay. Like you will always get through it because I think even if my symptoms never got even slightly better that's that was my life and I would have had to manage it some way or another and I would have done it and I would have been yeah. okay and I am now yeah so you know it will all yeah. be okay no, peace and love to <laughs> everyone else yeah it would be okay guys don't even worry oh my goodness thank you so much for sharing your story <laughs> with me and I just feel so honored that you've chosen me and that's so chronic to share your story with because I know that this is a big deal of you know course. yeah no of course I've been it um that's so chronic for a while now <laughs> I always love getting your messages they're like yeah I, make my like, day. I love this episode <laughs> oh yay thank you so much oh no problem and a big thank you to you for listening to this episode of That's So Chronic. Like I mentioned in the episode, I really love seeing Ruby's messages pop into my DMs. So if you've ever wanted to reach out, just know that I love hearing from you all. Now, if you don't know, I've actually gone back to uni, kind of part-time, slowly ticking along, to study a Bachelor of Health Science, majoring in public health and minoring in media and communications. And something that I'm really interested in is how we can use entertainment media like TV shows to communicate different health things. So I found it really fascinating hearing from Ruby about how that particular episode of Sex Education inspired her to go and get a second opinion. If you've got any stories like that, I would love to hear from you. Send me a DM over on Instagram. I'm at That's So Chronic. As always, thank you for listening, sharing and following. I hope you're having a great week and I'll see you next time.